I mean, for me personally, whenever you're doing a character, you have to bring yourself to the role, otherwise it's not real. And if it's not real, then it doesn't work. Hey everyone, you're listening to 2M Creative Labs, the podcast. This podcast is for those looking to learn, be inspired, and find wisdom in others' story and process as they execute on their passions. We spent some time with Royal Winnipeg Ballet's second soloist, Stefan Azoulay. After being introduced to me as a chef, he shares more of his experience bouncing around the world as a dancer. We talk about taking care of your body, putting your heart out on the stage, and bringing yourself into your role. Super fantastic discussions, and if you've ever been interested in the RWB, consider supporting Stefan and the ballet. Sweet. Um, thanks again for coming in. My pleasure. You know, we've, I guess to get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit of who you are and what you do? Uh, so my name is Stefan Azoulay. I am a professional ballet dancer. I currently dance with Royal Winnipeg Ballet. I'm 26 years old, and I was actually born in London, and yeah, that's, that's, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so what brings you here? So wait, so you were born in London. Yeah, so I guess life story. My dad was, uh, he's Moroccan, but he's a flamenco dancer, and my mom's Portuguese. Mm-hmm. So I was born in London, we moved to Munich for like five years, and I started dancing flamenco, which is like a type of Spanish dance and then we moved to Australia and I was there until I was 18 and I basically started all the other dance styles and then ballet was actually lost at about 10 I think Um, and then uh, I moved to New York when I was 18 and I danced there for two years and then I moved to Vegas and I danced there for three years and then I came to Winnipeg so Whoa, there's a lot to take in. So you've been a lifetime dancer. Yeah, sure. well, I was dancing like flamenco when I was right. two yeah. or three or something. I don't know. It was like mm-hmm. insane. So. That's crazy. Yeah. Because I was, you were introduced to me as a chef. It's funny. It's, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, the cooking thing is more of a, a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of turned into a, a side stint um no way so just to like give you an idea like the ballet dancer season generally runs from anywhere in july and august to may Mm -hmm. and then we have the entire we call it our summer off Mm -hmm. because basically it's our summer break realistically summer doesn't start until july july june july whatever um so but we usually have may to july or august off depending on how long our contract is right so and it's unpaid so we have to have some sort of side thing going, side on. Thing going yeah. on usually people just pick up some short summer job yeah or they go, go to school or something for me i have done everything you can think of from working as a janitor to painting cooking was probably my favorite side job vegas i worked as a pizza boy for like a year oh that's dope <laughs> um so yeah, I, uh, I always just have been into food. My dad was a pretty good cook as well. My mom made Portuguese, great food. Yeah. yeah. So I was spoiled growing up with food and I just have always been into it. And I just kind of, yeah, a bit of a foodie. So, Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> You've lived that sort of artist, like cliche of like doing everything on the side kind of thing. And I feel like that's where I might end up in. Who knows? Um, just because well, we were talking earlier how like difficult it is for artists to kind of make it here. I don't know the like the ballet space or even just the dancer space of how that works because I know enough about photographers to kind of understand how they make their living and how they do things, but I don't really understand ballet per se. 
let's let's talk about um, just dance in general. Uh, even though <laughs> we complain about not having enough money in the arts, ballet company is actually probably the highest paid organizations in the arts besides like big time like pop artists or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, in terms of nonprofits, they're actually pretty well funded um, considering uh, what goes on. Uh, it's never enough money, but sure. it's a nonprofit. So then there's kind of like solo artists. So ballet artists usually just are hired by companies. There's a couple of people that are really good that kind of just bounce around and they do a lot of guest guesting, which is yeah. basically a company will bring them in, pay them a decent amount of money, and then they go do whatever else they do. There's a lot of uh, other different dance styles. Um, the, probably the most uh, easiest one to describe is let's, let's say contemporary. There's a lot of contemporary dancers in the city. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know any that doesn't have like a, a job first. Like a, right. So they usually have a job and then kind of do the contemporary stuff on the side, right? So um, I have had the great opportunity of being in ballet, which m- makes it feasible to just do that. I mean, I always have a side job, but realistically I could just work for the ballet and I get paid basically like a teacher salary. So I get however many weeks our contract is, I get paid for that. And then in the summer it's unpaid. Like a I, teacher salary. Yeah, exactly. Right. So um, it's very fortunate to be able to do what you love and get a livable wage, right? For sure. Um, there's a lot of contemporary dancers in the city that are very talented. Uh, I can't think of any of them that aren't like pretty busy, mm-hmm. kind of on the hustle, just like so they can keep dancing, right? Yeah. Because um, that's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. So that's pretty much, I mean, there's so many other dance styles, but uh, I just think in terms of Winnipeg, those are the two big obvious mm-hmm. kind of choices. Yeah, we do have a lot of contemporary dancers in the city for sure. And I've always wondered kind of how that works because the whole point is to, at least the vision, the dream is to do what you love and right. make a make a stable living out of it, right? And I imagine you didn't really start off where you are now. Like how was it, I guess, bouncing around from New York to Vegas to here, um, like Australia? Yeah, so Australia, I was still living with my family, um, so... That helps <laughs> so much. Yeah. Uh, so I was in, basically I was in ballet school from 16 to 18 full time. Uh, I would basically just, it was, yeah, it was pretty much what my lifestyle is now, except I didn't perform as much. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't get paid back then either. So I still paid to go to school then. Uh, and it's kind of like going to college. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty expensive. And then when I moved to New York, it was a studio company that I was part of. So I wasn't getting paid by them. So I was really on the hustle. Yeah. Hence all the kind of side jobs and stuff that I did. But in New York, it's very, it's, it's saturated in the, t- <laughs> in the sense that there's so many talented dancers in New York. It's a huge performance space, it's right? It's crazy. It's such a hub. So the connections I made were just insane. But at a certain point, I was like, I need to get paid well I wasn't getting paid anything so <laughs> I need to get paid yeah. uh, so I started doing auditions and uh, I got into a company in Vegas uh, which the pay was uh, decent mm-hmm. uh, not as good as here um, I basically was there for three years and 
still on the grind a little bit, but you know, it helps when all the hours you put in during the day for your craft is being somewhat compensated. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, this is the obvious case of, you know, it does take time and you do have to hustle for probably quite some time before you get to a point where, but funny enough is to get to a point where you're in Winnipeg getting paid a stable, like living, you know, doing the thing that you love. Whereas most people are looking for that really quickly. And I don't know if people are willing willing to do that side hustle, you know, and that's hard. It is hard, especially because our careers don't last long. I was thinking about this last night, actually, is that I've been putting an insane amount of hours in dancing, which is fine. I love to dance. But like, since I moved to New York, it's been brutal, like in terms of uh, how hard it's been uh, on my body. Yeah. Um, And that was when I was 18. So uh, yeah, eight years pushing on nine, like to do something as intense as <laughs> what I do is, is, is a lot. So it takes a toll, right? Especially on your body. Your body is usually Absolutely. the place to go. So, um, yeah. So I, I hope I dance until I'm like, you know, 35, 40, but. Not 90? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> that would be interesting. I'm sure I'll still pull some moves off, you know. I believe I'm it. A grandpa. Yeah. Like at a social or something, exactly. right? Yeah. yeah. Line dancing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it takes a toll and it's, it's, it's pretty intense what we do. Um, but, uh, Talk but, to me about that actually, because that's one thing I realized is, you know, you watch enough sports, you watch enough athletes and you kind of think, oh, they have the best jobs because they get to play, do what they love, but their bodies are their like the biggest thing that will keep them from doing that forever, at least like the playing aspect. They might, for example, you might get involved in coaching or teaching. Um, but what was the thought that kind of spurred this in your mind yet last night? Uh, well, I'm injured. <laughs> well, coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I dealing with like a, a foot injury, like plantar fasciitis, and then a, a shoulder injury. And uh, it's it's basically just because last season was crazy intense and I did a lot of great dancing, which is awesome. Yeah. And it was great at the time, but I kind of pushed my body a bit too much. And um, which is, you know, it's just the nature of things. We were just busy and it was a big packed season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so things, something's got to give and those things gave. And then um, I've just been dealing with that over the summer. And it's just, it's, it's tough for me. Like I love to dance. I want to be in the studio. I want to be a hundred percent. So when there's something stopping me, it's very easy to just get in your head and kind of beat yourself up. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was just like one of those, one of those things. And I, so every now and then you just kind of getting in your head and I was just laying in bed, just thinking about it all and keeping myself up. But, uh, it's, it's tough because your body is your tool. So when your body gives and it's not at hundred percent, then you don't even have the option of, mm-hmm. it's not a, of a case like whether you can do it or not. It's like, you, you just can't do, like, if you push through it all the time, like I usually do, then something is gonna yeah. be hurt long-term. So um, yeah, I'm kind of in the process about like trying to change the way I work and um, seeking just like 
different opinions. Um, I might start like, um, I was just emailing a guy at, uh, at elite about just doing like some personal training and stuff like right. that. Right. But, um, you think I probably work out enough, but <laughs> you know, Never, I think I just have yeah. to change. Something's not working. So I have to change it. Right. So, right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of self-evaluating involved and, uh, in, in bigger sports, you know, they have a lot more resources and it's, it's kind of easier, I would say, because mm-hmm. they, they have a lot more to pull from, uh, in ballet, it's a lot like we have a great physio team, but, uh, we're rehearsing all, all day long. So we don't really have time to have time to be in physio, so to speak. Like really, we just go there on our lunch break. Um, God. so our, our time is, uh, out of the studio. So usually after work or before the weekends. Yeah. So that's really the time that we have to give to our, to our bodies. So, excuse me. Um, so yeah, so, uh, a lot of the things that we feel like we have to do have to be done in our own time and we, we pay for them. Right. So like, it's very easy to just kind of go to rehearsal, take class and that's it because that would make sense. Yeah. Um, but in the short term, it makes the most sense. Right. Yeah. Uh, and for some people, that's all you need. Like some people just, that's, that's enough for me. I just think just with my body, I have to Mm -hmm. do extra stuff and, yeah, I'm just trying to trying to figure out what works best just based on yeah. my body right now. So, yeah. It's tough to find that balance. I mean, personally, too, I try to do everything. Right. Like podcast, video, like photo, and then doing all the networking and like reaching out to people, guests and stuff. And doing all of that, there is a point. And, but I mean, I'm not even talking like this is a physical aspect, right? But it's just sort of like time and like energy. But how do you kind of, it's hard to gauge, this is where I draw my line of I can't do it anymore because you're always thinking, oh, I can do a little bit more, like one more, one more run. What was the, hmm. how do you kind of gauge that? Because I know like, oh, just one more, one more, just do one more. I, I, uh, this is a good question for me because I, it's my problem is I don't take it easy and I don't gauge it. I just keep doing it. So mm-hmm. like whether it's dance or not dance, I, I can never say no. And that's always been fine. But to be honest, it's gotten to a point now where it's a bit too much and mm-hmm. it, it's like taking a toll and kind of feel like it, it's like I, the best way I could describe it is like, I just feel drained, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so I think I have to start prioritizing a bit more and learning how to say no to things or people, you know? So I, should see my, my phone. I have like the next three weeks blocked off oh my just goodness. based on like people wanting to like maybe doing something like this, like a podcast or yeah. just wanting to hang out or catch up or dinner or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But it's, <laughs> it's every single day. And, uh, whenever someone wants to hang out, I'm like, how does, you know, September 24th sound? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it's, in uh, a month. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I needed to just like, take a chill pill and take a step back. It's very, it just, you know, for me, I, I feel like because of my career short and life short, I feel like I just try and do as much as I can all the time. Yeah. Um, and I've never been one person to just kind of stop and do nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just cause I, uh, for me, that sounds like a waste of time. 
Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I, I need to figure out how to do it though. It's uh, hard, right? It is. Like yeah, doing nothing is really difficult for me. Yeah. I can always do something. What is it about that? Is it just because you've always been on the hustle and you feel like people Maybe. catch up, or like you fall behind, and or is just like not being productive is not a good. I feel like if I'm not being productive, I feel like I'm wasting my time. Yeah. So even if it's something, I feel mm. like I'm getting productivity out of it. Yeah, it's really tough, right? I like the body is such a fascinating like oh, yeah. um, what's the variable in in all of this because it's very important to also give it a break. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, it's good that you can push like every day for the week, but then can you do that for forever, yeah. right? And that's hard. You have bounced around so many cities and like not just short like 30-minute drives, but like across the world. Like what was it that kind of kept you not feeling so lonely or has that ever been an issue is something you struggled with? Like making these social networks really fast like what was how you how did you do that like was there a trick that helped you i don't know to be honest i i feel like i'm just very like extroverted and yeah. um i it's hard to break it down in words to be honest but like in new york uh i had some very close friends because uh, we like you live together you dance together it's kind of you know you spend all day together so you um, I was there for two years, but it felt like six, you know, mm-hmm. um, in Vegas, I had the f- opportunity to meet now my best friends. Um, and I lived with them for three years, uh, and they're the best and we just got along and we clicked. So they're kind of like my family away from home. So yeah. whenever I am down, if I am down, I, the first people I reach to out, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, reach out to is them. Um, here was a bit different because it was probably the biggest um, kind of change for me. I've always lived in big cities uh, and the whole like small town thing was tough. I got used to it quick, but it was a bit weird. Like I feel like Winnipeg was probably the hardest city to kind of break into. But once you're in, it's kind of like, it's like a set. Venus flytrap or whatever. You know, interesting, like, yeah. That's an interesting <laughs> analogy too, yeah. I mean that in the best of ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, now it's crazy because I feel like I've... You're home. Yeah, it feels, yeah. So it's insane. Mm-hmm. And I realize, like, I do enjoy Winnipeg a lot during summer. The winters are tough for me just because I'm a sun boy. I, I was brought up on the beach, you know. Yeah, exactly. So... I, I like sun, I like heat, and I, I'm always, like, a worse person in the winter, but I feel like everyone is, you know? Like, and yeah, everybody gets kind of cranky and, like, yeah, yeah, I get that. I'm not really capable of being mean, but I get frustrated with mm-hmm. myself, really. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, the winter's, I mean, it's brutal. Yeah. But the summer's here in Winnipeg, I have to say, like, everyone just, like... Out and about, right, and doing stuff. Because everyone's just trying to enjoy the, the good weather and... It's two months of the year that we get yeah, yeah. for sure um, I always like talking to photographers about social anything because it's it's cliche but like you know like you're behind a camera the half, half the time mm-hmm. if you're taking photos or videos or whatever uh, so I, but I feel like automatically you kind of like learn to just uh, I don't know um, be invisible almost yeah 
So like that's naturally like kind of introverted, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But there are some photographers that are like complete opposite of that. But it's just very interesting to kind of observe and I don't know, just look at. Yeah, they sort of just blend in and like it's like they're not there. And I guess in, in a way that's, that's a nice thing because you can get those moments without you actually interfering and putting like your own existence into it, which changes the scenario. Mm-hmm. Also interesting, like when you look at a photographer's Instagram or something, there's never any pictures of themselves because because they're always behind the camera. They're always behind the camera, exactly. Yeah. So um, it's really funny just to like look at that and look at like what they're shooting and what they're like choosing to put up on Instagram and mm-hmm. kind of like that's kind of their I don't know personality kind of mm-hmm. um, pattern or behavior or whatever. Which someone like me, I'm basically trying to sell myself as an artist and as a entity. Yeah. But I hate taking photos of myself or videos. I get like dancers are super bad with cameras because we're very hypercritical and mm-hmm. um, pretty self-conscious. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Despite maybe the extreme amount of confidence that might come off, it's usually just a, a shroud for self-consciousness. <laughs> So, <laughs> um, because we, you know, we're in the studio every day trying to improve ourselves and basically criticize ourselves, you know, looking in front of the mirror, trying to see how we can be better. And so it kind of just, it's natural that it is yeah. what happens, but yeah, I just, I hate taking photos of myself and then I'm always like, oh God, I need more content for Instagram because I don't need to, I just, you know, I'm just doing it because that's what you do, I guess. <laughs> And uh, it's just, it's always just so funny because I, I can never do it, but I, I, I yeah. find a way, I guess, to, mm-hmm. anyway, I don't know why I started talking about that. But. What is it about that? So, can you like tell, so as a dancer, because yeah. as a photographer, I get like putting your, your content on Instagram, selling yourself as the business. It, 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 it switches the whole social media thing into a more right. like portfolio almost. Yeah, but as a dancer, kind of, how does that work for you? I've, I see your Instagram, and it's got right. you've got food, you've got your dancing, you got photos of you mm-hmm. in like the actual like stage, which yeah. is really cool. But what? How does that play into your career as a as a dancer, like social media wise? Yeah. Right, it doesn't really directly affect it, mm-hmm. um, but we're kind of in an interesting time with with ballet and dance, where yeah. social media is becoming more and more connected with it. There's a lot of artists out there that are huge on Instagram. Um, does it really affect their career that much? Not really. Maybe they get a lot of free shit, but mm-hmm. uh, that's probably <laughs> you know that's probably it. Yeah. But it, it does put you on the map mm-hmm. if you have a good following. You know, so if um, at the end of the day, it doesn't really change you as an artist and your your capability, but it does kind of just put your name out there mm-hmm. which depending on the kind of artist you are is a really good thing you know um so if you're the kind of person that does bounce around and does guestings and performances to have a big instagram like that is a really good thing yeah um for me I, i've kind of just gone back and forth like i've noticed on the yeah. page where it would just like shift from dancing to then just like regular life stuff exactly so yeah. it's it's hard for me because I, I don't like to take photos of myself and i i, just, I never do enough and i never have enough content yeah. so i tried to like just do dance stuff for a while and then i'm like oh this is boring 
So then mm -hmm. I put like some Winnipeg stuff and then I'm like, oh, food. You know, I always have a plethora of food to yeah. post on Instagram and then someone's like, well, does make a food blog, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to make a food blog. I just want to cook food, you know? Like, yeah. So, I don't know. It's, it's a bit weird, but like, even in just the short period of time I've been in Winnipeg, just from my Instagram, I've met people and, uh, you know, got some really cool opportunities and tickets to some free shit or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Plus, uh, I, people really appreciate when you like post and, you know, tag them and stuff and then they re re repost it or reshare it or whatever. Yeah. Like, so I, I think my favorite part of Winnipeg, to be honest, is probably the social aspect of it and being able to support artists trying to sell themselves, you know, not sorry, trying to promote themselves. And, uh, you know, like those, those little gestures go a long way. So I really do enjoy that. And mm -hmm. Also, it's a great way to just see what's going on in the city. Yeah. You can learn everything from Instagram. <laughs> it's very true though. Like yeah. even in my travels, like the first thing I would do is like, okay, so I'm going to this city, go on Instagram. All right. And like, where, where are people going now? All right. You know, and it's a, it's a great tool. I guess I don't, I've never traveled before Instagram existed, so I don't know what people did besides like i guess look up a blog or just walk around like, i guess there's also beauty in just walking around like aimlessly i, I do both sometimes yeah but for me my <laughs> this is kind of sad but whenever i go to a city the first thing i do is i type uh restaurants or coffee shops into google maps and then anything that's over like 4.3 or four stars on Google Google Maps, I go to. <laughs> that's like my breaking point. It's like like 4.35 <laughs> stars. Um, but it works. It, honestly, it works so well. It really does. Yeah, you think that? I don't know. I it's just it's it's crazy that you can just look up a place as a decent review. It turns out to be really good because usually I don't trust the the like kind of you're a consensus. snob yeah. yeah i'm a bit of a snob with food so <laughs> um but whatever it seems seems to have worked and i always find some really cool spots and i find if you if you're in like if you go to nice kind of hip areas and restaurants and coffee shops and bars and whatnot tends to be the cooler areas of the city anyway yeah you know um not always the case yeah but you know, like let's say Winnipeg, for example, if you are looking at all the restaurants in the exchange, well, then you're exploring the exchange. Mm -hmm. Then you go to the Forks for the restaurants. You go under the Forks. Yeah. Osmond, you know, like... Yeah, like the, the hotspots, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Where all these hip restaurants exactly. are. Exactly. And that's yeah. why they put them in those locations is because mm -hmm. the area... Tends to attract people yeah. that are looking for those things. Yeah. Exactly. That so, makes a lot of sense. Um, there's, I mean, sometimes there's random restaurants that are absolute so off the grid. Yeah. yeah. You know, like one of my favorite restaurants in the city is uh, Hearth, which is on, is it St. Mary's or St. Anne? I always mix up the two. But it's yeah. pretty far south and out of the city. Whenever someone brings it up, they're like, oh, but it's so far. Yeah. Um, it's only like a 15 minute drive, but okay. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're, we don't live in New York. <laughs> yeah. Um, go to Sydney or Melbourne. Those cities are real big. Um, so yeah, in my mind, that's still very close, but it's a great, great restaurant, but it's kind of in the middle of nowhere no totally you know talk to me about dance and what is it about dance that kind of brings you to it i like for me photography is it the ability to tell story or the ability to convey like that feeling in that moment 
what is it about dance that I guess you've been doing it all your life? Have you, and I mean, obviously there's points where you probably burnt out, or but you're still on, you're still in it, and you're just now gauging your body for sure. Um, to be honest, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, when you get on stage, you're either telling a story, or if it's like contemporary or like abstract, some sort of emotion. I think as a as an artist, as a dancer, your goal is to inspire. Um, the audience in some capacity even if it's just like oh this is gorgeous awesome um, so like my goal as an artist is to move someone in some shape way or form mm-hmm. whether it's to make them want to do dance or just because they paid X amount of dollars for a ticket and they feel like it's worth it great you know like I just want to kind of emotionally drive them in some way um and you do that by basically putting your heart out on stage. There is like, you know, like some things just feel good to dance or to perform. Mm-hmm. Like the, just the way the movement is, it just feels good. Um, some things are just hard and it doesn't necessarily feel good. <laughs> but there's, there's, you know, you get some kind of pleasure out of that too, to be able to take something that is technically very difficult, work on it and then put it on stage and do a good job. There's, there's mm-hmm. something kind of... Uh, I don't know, satisfying about that. For sure. Um, I've never felt like I've never wanted to stop dancing. Um, but, you know, like it does take an emotional toll just because it's like any kind of um, high stress environment, you know, like it, it takes an impact and there's a lot of expectation, usually from ourselves. Yeah. But like there is an expectation that you perform at this level. And, you know, so that 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 is hard because mm-hmm. it's like, it's the pressure's on always. Yeah. Um, but like I said, the, the, the real kind of expectation is, is self-induced. So we want to do well. We want to like make sure that the opportunity is not wasted. Um, now, luckily now there's a lot more opportunities in terms of performing back in Vegas. Like we, there was nowhere near the amount of shows that I'm doing now. So it's an interesting way to look at it because Back then, it was like, all right, pressure's really on. I have to nail this performance because I only get two shots at this, you know? And you rehearse for like four weeks leading up to it for, you know, this one, one and a half hour show, which you only do a couple sections in. So it's kind of weird because you, you drill it and drill it and drill it in the studio, but the time that you're really waiting for and looking forward to is on the stage. And that could be anything from a two minute section in a piece to the whole thing, mm-hmm. you know? So sometimes you're on stage the whole time and you just get off and it feels like you've just ran this emotional marathon and physical, but for sure, like depending on, um, on the ballet. So let's say it's a story ballet, which you have to really kind of envelop a character. Then sometimes it gets a bit too real. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say it's like some sort of love tragedy or something like Romeo and Juliet. I did that last year. Um, and uh it, you know like for me like if you get really into the story then you kind of start to feel like it's real mm-hmm. so if it's like some sort of tragic story then uh, for me it always takes me a little while to decompress from that that kind of um show or whatever yeah so uh when i did giselle in, in vegas i remember finishing the ballet i was already crying in my role <laughs> at the end and uh I just remember the curtain came down and I kind of got myself to the side of the stage and I just 
bawled my eyes out. Oh my god! But I still have to bow. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, get your shit together." <laughs> but it was, you know, I was performing with my best friend, and we had a really good connection, and um, mm-hmm. it was a magical, magical performance, and uh, it was probably the best time I ever had on stage. But like, you are emotionally a wreck, yeah. You know, so um, you know, you like kind of go on stage, do your bow, still got tears coming down your face, and then you go off and you. I don't know. I just sat there for like five minutes, just kind of like processing what just happened. Cause it also just, there's so much adrenaline and emotions. It's kind of just like, it's all a blur. And, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like the feeling of, of knowing that you did something like put it all on the line and, yeah. and it turned out really well. That's, that's, uh, it's hard to describe that in words. To be yeah, honest. for sure. Like it's kind of, it's, it's a lot of stress and a lot of um, pressure, but like the reward is, is insane mm-hmm. <laughs> that's amazing though yeah. like and i imagine that's kind of what keeps you in it right absolutely like, that's what you you strive to do every time that you're doing the four week like practice till like a two minute stint right yeah i mean that that may not be an example, exaggeration but, yeah then, like yeah. for example like the way our season is kind of structured in here at rwb we start with ballet in the park um and then we basically start rehearsing for the rest of our season. Our first mm-hmm. performance isn't until, sorry, first like not Ballet in the Park performance is not until uh, October. Right. So basically we had beginning of August to October to rehearse, mm-hmm. not just that show, but the show that we're taking on tour to Mexico straight after. Right. The show that we're working on, the show that's in May. So like, we basically start rehearsing everything for that season um, straight away. That's um, Because once the shows start happening, it gets a lot harder to rehearse mm-hmm. other stuff. Yeah. Because you're kind of in the theater, you want to focus on that one thing, and there's a lot of things going on. There's not really enough time to be rehearsing other stuff. We still do it, but um, it's a lot. So uh, once once the performing starts, it gets a bit crazy because we. So we perform, we go to Mexico, we come back, we start rehearsing Nutcracker, and then Nutcracker season's always busiest season. So we go to tour in Ottawa, we come back, we perform Nutcracker in Winnipeg, then a lot of us do our own guestings. Um, so we all kind of bounce around, uh, and then we kind of get a little break. So we have like Christmas um, shows all the way until like the 29th or whatever, and we get like a week off after New Year's. But then we come back, and it's... Crazy season again because we rehearse Wizard of Oz, we tour Wizard of Oz, um, we come back, we perform Moulin Rouge, then we tour Oz again to the States, and then we kind of have a little breathing room for our last show, but still there's like three pieces to put together and like mm-hmm. two casts um, and only 25 dancers, right? So it's it's like, it's a lot. It's just brutal um, sometimes, but we're very efficient at... <laughs> The way we work. Yeah. Um, no kidding. But you know, it's a lot of a lot of rehearsal time for you know, usually we only do five or six shows. Besides Nutcracker, Nutcracker is different. Um, we do a lot of Nutcracker shows. But um, yeah, it's it's a lot of work for not that many shows. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm very grateful though, because like we, we do a lot more shows than a lot of companies. Um, but yeah. Ha, 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 ha.
No, it, it's it's crazy, and I don't know if that's something that people don't realize, right? Is that for the show that they're attending, the amount of work that you've put into it, right? And we were talking about this earlier. It's like oh, twenty five bucks for a show, like. Well, so realizing the amount of time and energy and resources you put into it, that that is a steal yeah. in some ways. I should clarify, it's not that cheap to go to the valley. <laughs> I mean, there's, we have like under 35, we have like $30 tickets. Yeah. But for the rest, it's, it's a bit more expensive. But yeah, yeah. I should. <laughs> I don't want people coming to the valley and be like, where's my $25 ticket? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. Um, I want to know what was the hardest thing, I mean, as as hard as you're willing to to express on this platform, like hardest thing you have to overcome as a ballet dancer, like in your creative journey, essentially, and how you kind of got over it. Or maybe you're going through it now. Um. Uh, well, um, ballet has a very specific kind of aesthetic, uh, which is why it's kind of like this elitist art form. Um, <laughs> uh, I think my biggest challenge has always been the aesthetic is kind of my body doesn't really suit a lot of those things. Um, but I've always been able to figure out a way to still do it. Um, so I feel like that's the constant challenge is is kind of I'm, I'm, I'm fighting against my body in a lot of the ways, um, but it's also figuring out, figuring out how to do it in its own way. So, um, mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I, I never have trouble with doing stuff. Like I always figure out a way. So I feel like my body's become very adept at kind of like doing its own thing to like make a step happen really quickly. Um, but it might not necessarily be the kind of ideal yeah. um, <laughs> route. <laughs> right. So I think that's probably always the hardest challenge is just like there's this aesthetic and we have to hold ourselves accountable. Uh, but, I, you know, like I'm here, I've done it. Mm-hmm. I've been dancing professionally for like eight years, so can't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that's important, though, is, yes, there is sort of that aesthetic you do have to follow, but to follow it in the way that suits you, too. Yeah. You know, like, there is a line that I think people need to tread, because then you sort of lose yourself, and it's not you anymore. I'm not sure how that kind of, like, I guess, because for us, like, working for clients, it's not us, it's not our art, it's not, it doesn't mean that that's our, that's our personality on there, it's the clients, like, whether it's photos or video, like, that's them. You're presenting them in the best light for something like a role that you're playing. You're presenting that character in the best light, but in a way, in your best form, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, whenever you're doing a character, you have to bring yourself to the role. Otherwise, it's not real. And if it's not real, then it doesn't work. You know, so it's pretty obvious when something seems not fully developed I, I find at least uh, like it's pretty obvious when you watch it um, maybe to a non-dancer they're kind of like wow this is amazing but um, for me I, I'm I try to always 
give every opportunity full value. So you have to kind of like dive in head first. Um, and if I don't bring me to the role, then what's the point of it? You know, uh, everyone is their like own best uh, kind of critic in the sense that if you don't try and figure out your own way to do it, then it's not going to work. So, you know, you can have people guide you and give you the experiences and knowledge, but at the end of the day, you have to figure it out kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of part of the fun of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's can be difficult because you have people constantly telling you that you should do this, this, and this, and this, and this is how they did it. And this is their, you know, assumption of how it should work. Yeah. For me, I've always had my own idea and I, I, it's kind of treading a thin line in terms of expressing that you're grateful for the, the advice, but at the end of the day, I feel like I know my, my best route to get to whatever it might be. And I'm going to take it because if I don't, then I don't know what's the point. You know, it's, it's, it's my journey. I, I want to get there my way kind of thing. Uh, and sometimes you just have to stick it to it. No. <laughs> yeah, but we just said we want to stick it to the man. You yeah, know? stick it to the man. For real. Um, no, I, I'm I'm very non-confrontational. So like when someone tells me something, even if I disagree with it, I'm not going to tell them. You know, like uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> there, you know, it, like, it's it's their way of doing it, but it not, might not necessarily be the best way for you. And yeah, at the end of the day, you do have to trust yourself more and like just take other people's experiences and figure out what works for you exactly you know like there's nothing wrong with listening but you don't have to do it right like just kind of take their experiences kind of understand how it worked for them but those things might not necessarily suit you right yeah i love that yeah yeah i think that's that's a good if somebody came up to you and watch your show even and i don't know this is something that's already happened is like hey i loved your performance and i'm super inspired and i want to do that one day what would be your advice to them? <laughs> the thing with ballet is that it's really hard to start late, right? So like if it's a kid that's like, hey, I want to do that. I'm like, great. This is what you should do. Buddy, buddy, buddy. You know, and go to local dance school or if you have the facility for it, go to a big school um, like IWB, you know. Uh but if an adult said, I want to do what you do, I'd be like, well, <laughs> you can take ballet recreationally. Like you can have fun taking class and um, that's great. But it's like, it's kind of hard. It's a hard question mm-hmm. to answer, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Because it's not something you can just pick up, pick up overnight. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of performing outlets out there. Uh so that's, that's yeah so maybe in, in a way yeah. more just to i want to perform the way you, you know the way that you put your heart out on the stage you right. know like how could i get there one day i think the, the the best way to answer that really would be to find what you love first and then kind of talk about how like what will it take for you to be able to do that said thing and be able to kind of put your heart and soul into it. Um, I guess for me, uh, I've, I've always been overcommitted to everything that I do. So, 
if there's one thing I could try and like help people with, it would be to kind of find something that someone loves and figure out a way how to like, how can you get to a point where this is a passion and you feel like proud of what you do. Um, but I think, you know, like creative outlets are absolutely paramount to someone's soul, you know, like, so if you can find something that you passionate about, that's, <laughs> that's number one. That's always good. <laughs> um, and then you just have to figure out how, like, how do you, how do you keep kind of adding to that, that passion and how do you, you make it, um, more worthwhile and mm-hmm. kind of satisfying and yeah it's i mean everyone has their own that makes sense thing, and right? so. i feel like that that first part you know like finding something that you love to be able to actually put your heart and soul into it is it has to be something that comes from you first yeah and if you don't enjoy doing it then it's going to be hard for you to actually put in the work i think like there, there's you know like you push yourself to do it because you have to and maybe that's because it's what feeds you or some sort of practical means but at the end of the day to really be able to put it all on the line you kind of have to love it and oh yeah you absolutely have to love ballet to do ballet i tell you that <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a psycho if you didn't <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> um that's, but that's any you know i mean that's anything any artistic outlet really mm-hmm. what's interesting though is that people always say oh maybe after ballet you should just open up a restaurant i've always wanted to open up a restaurant but I feel like if I do that, it's going to take the, the love out of it. I love cooking and I, I have worked on the side for cooking, but I don't really consider that my cooking. I like, it's weird because when you get into a restaurant job, you kind of don't really have creative outlets. You, you do what's assigned to you by the head chef and, mm. or, you know, however they might be set up and you kind of just do those X things. When I cook, I enjoy it because I'm being creative and I get to choose what I make um, and I spend <laughs> an obscene amount of time doing it <laughs> for sure because I'm a snob <laughs> um, and yeah so it's, it's funny because food is like this kind of like second passion and I want it to always be a passion I don't know if I want to dive too deep into it and turn into a career almost yeah or a business you're right because I feel like that will kind of suck the soul out of it that's something that i've been like struggling with as a photographer is like it's always started as like i'm taking a three-month trip to x country so i'm gonna bring a camera and then it became this sort of passion and now i'm doing it as like a business a professional business and always worrying like when does it the line when do i hit that line of like now it's not as fun and I guess that does come with a lot of introspection and self-evaluation of like, now I'm losing this sort of like losing it as an outlet and it's become more of, I have to do it now. I think, yeah, like maybe later down the line, you do open up a restaurant, but you do have to have those set like lines for yourself, I think. But Yeah, I've put a lot of thought into it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've started doing like these big kind of, dinner parties which is really fun um what yeah maybe i'll invite you <laughs> no, I, I will for sure <laughs> that was such a douchey thing so. <laughs> we can uh, cut that up it's, okay. Whatever. it's, it's, it's real so funny. 
Um, Interesting though. That's see, but that's the thing is you're already testing out the waters, right? Right. right. So, like, how does that feel? Like, where does it become like oh, this isn't fun anymore? Like, I'm well, like, it was really really fun the, f- the first time I did it, and the only not fun thing about it is that I didn't like people contributed, but um, I had a I have a hard time when I'm cooking for people to like contribute food unless they are skilled in the kitchen because then I'm like, well, it's kind of taking away from what I'm doing, you yeah. know? So I'm like, unless it's good, mm-hmm. then I'm kind of like, no thanks. For sure. So, and I'm, but I realized that. So I'm like, you know, you don't have to bring anything. Oh, you don't have to contribute, you know? Like, yeah. um, but then I'm like, well, I just spent an obscene amount of money cooking for seven other people. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm going to be broke if I keep this up. <laughs> exactly. So I think what I might start doing is like having these kind of, you know, dinner parties, let's say, and just like charging people like 15, 20 bucks. Just to kind then, of keep it afloat. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I just think, see what happens. But I think that's a good, and that's the kind of self-evaluation I was thinking about is like you understand where it's sustainable or like where is it, what the line does it cross where you're like not feeling good about it anymore and then you're realizing, oh, I'm, I'm not being honest with myself that like I could do this for just nothing. And you start to reel back and like, okay, now I need to charge people or like, I would like, I would at least want them to contribute so that I can do this and still have it be fun. Right. But then if they contribute too much and it's a problem and. Well, yeah, it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I I mean, I can never (laughs) ask people for things. It's always really difficult. Yeah. Um, But it does suck when you, I don't know, (laughs) have these kind of gatherings and people don't bring anything or don't even offer or don't help or something I'm like okay <laughs> maybe I uh, won't invite you next time <laughs> yeah you know, like, right don't I be think, stingy like, mm-hmm. I think that's important in, I think I love that like you realizing that okay like now I know how these people operate in these scenarios I guess just for the next time I know not to yeah I mean Winnipeg's a tough crowd for that because like don't hate me Winnipeg but like if people can get out of not paying for something, they're going to do it. You know, mm-hmm. if they can get some free stuff, they're going to do it. So um, it's funny because Winnipeg people, oh, sorry, people from Winnipeg can be really generous, but they can also be very, very cheap, <laughs> you know, which whatever, it's fine. But uh, like, it's just funny to like pay attention to, mm-hmm. you know, all my friends are super generous and I, I don't really have any stingy friends or anything like that but I, I do notice sometimes people trying to get out of paying for things or you know absolutely like yeah but that's everywhere really that's not just yeah I feel like that's like our generation and kind of just the social norm sometimes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a weird social norm yeah have. well I mean you know everyone's mm-hmm. probably struggling with money and, yeah one last thing so is there anything that you're up to right now that um, maybe we the viewers the audience can actually support and follow or like what are you what is the next steps for you and yeah yeah what's uh what's coming up for you in the roadmap and how can we support you and yeah i think um the best way to support me is basically to support the ballet um so if you're not a subscriber that's a-okay we have uh this thing called um access point which is if you're under 35 you get $30 ticket so um, just check the website for that uh, but basically the next thing coming up in our season is La Baia which is in the beginning of October 
So come to that um, or just check us out on like Instagram. There's always like kind of posts we're doing. And if you wanted to see kind of day in the life of a dancer, follow me on Instagram, um, which is my name. Uh, so at Stefan Azale. And um, yeah, I mean, that's that's really the, the, the most kind of, uh, I'm losing words been speaking for too long <laughs> it's the, the the next thing i guess is yeah. labai day but we we have a full season so if you want to like you know maybe labai day is it's a classical ballet maybe it's not the thing for you then wait till nutcracker or moulin rouge we're doing in this in um february i think it is or march um and then the last show is a mixed rep that's always fun um so if you're new to the ballet just pick one show you know see how it goes uh and if you need advice on what show to go to, message me. I'm more than happy to help. And then, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and no, I definitely should make a point to attend one of these shows. John went, and I mean, I think he took photos or something too. He, or so he, um, I think he came to Bound in the Band and he took some photos, which yeah. was a collaboration we did with Rose Landreth. Very nice. Um, and uh, yeah, oh, I remember, uh, this is kind of a segue, but um, we were working on this new production and uh, I think I'd met John like, I don't know, maybe a month earlier or something like that. I don't even remember how we met. Um, oh, I remember. Uh, it was uh, Love Local Manitoba. It was like this food thing. Oh, interesting. And uh, there was like a bunch of Instagrammers there that were taking photos and whatnot. Yeah. And um, I was there for a friend because she couldn't make it. And I was taking photo, photos as well. And we just started chatting and then. Cool. Yeah. That was, I think that was in February. Yeah. I think I remember the event that you guys were yeah. talking about. Yeah. Um, just don't send my photos. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Mm. Uh, I figured, you know, there's probably a bunch that they oh, got there were better. Yeah. I was just there kind of. It's, <laughs> it's the whole Instagram kind of like every influencer brings their own kind of exactly. following to it. But yeah. And I don't have that big of a, a following, but I, I took whatever. I took a bunch of photos and yeah. promoted it. Um, anyway, so yeah, we got along and then uh, I invited him to. Yeah, because he said he hadn't really taken much photo of like any dance related stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought it'd be cool to get him in the studio. And he took some great photos. Um, and I could tell just by looking at his Instagram, he had like a good eye for for getting a different kind of view on things. Dance photography is very difficult because it's very um, hard to kind of get a photo of something that's always moving. Yeah. So I knew it was going to be a challenge. Like I could tell like it was difficult. And, and you know, to ask photographer that hasn't really taken dance photography to come to RWB and take a photo of rehearsal when there's all these people in the studio that's you're putting yourself in a kind of exposed position for sure but you know that's 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 when you grow that's when you get experience yeah and he only got like um a handful of shots because the lighting was kind of shit in that studio but um uh but they were great I, I love them um so yeah it was anyway I like to kind of bring the photographers in to that kind of environment mm-hmm. because we never have enough content really of what goes on in the studio. Right. Um, and we can't pay photographers to be there every day. So of course, like, you know, when I can kind of like give a photographer some opportunity to get some unique shots that they wouldn't normally do. Yeah. I'm like, here, here's our marketing team. And you know, set it all up. So, um, 
that's yeah. cool though and i love the fact that you do that because it's it's be, being able to give those opportunities to other other creatives right and also right. like combining skills in that way like dance and photography and obviously like it's a difficult space as a photographer because they're always moving and like to understand like what movements are aesthetic sometimes you might need to dig a little bit deeper into dance and like the human body before exactly. you actually say like oh that's a good shot because you don't know how limbs work as a photographer all the time yeah i mean it's it's really difficult and i think i, I gave him like a short little stint on kind of like what we look for in a in a photo which is very different to what he might look for you know mm -hmm. so well anyone that's taking photos of yeah. dance um uh and then there's a whole approval process so yeah. like it's always a nightmare for photographers because they might think oh that's an amazing photo and the dancer looks at it and they're like no my finger's here not here you know like <laughs> exactly and it's like, a, it's a it's a real thing it's a it's 100 percent a real thing like, yeah. so if our foot's like not in a nice shape or our legs not quite straight we're like mm -hmm. no i hate it i think that's one thing that i i admire and i think that what's that's what separates like a professional from somebody who's doing it for fun and doing it just as a hobby is understanding what space you're in and realizing and knowing like these factors that come into like deciding what suits that uh, avenue right like right. dance like you need to know like where literally where the limbs are before it's considered even like worth it right i always like if a photographer that's new to dance uh, i always say like look for these kind of things um but just you know like don't be too picky about it just kind of like take photos just be ready to to hit to get hit yeah, yeah like be ready for people to be like no like you know what i mean like it's for sure. it's tough though like as a yeah. photographer if you like your 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 work to have someone say no this is actually not okay like that's that's like a worst nightmare <laughs> oh yeah absolutely like, <laughs> i think that's for any creative though right yeah it's like even for dance it's like that's not okay and you have to know what what parameters are essentially and what to work with yeah, yeah. that's interesting we'll have to go and dig into that sometime but um oh man there's so many collabs that could be done it's stupid <laughs> <laughs> well first we got to make our croissants yeah <laughs> um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap this up um, say bye to the audience or uh, invite them to a show or whatever or a dinner party personally that's just for me tickets going five bucks no um. <laughs> oh god all I have to say is thanks for the opportunity to speak and um, yeah if you want to support me find me on Instagram keep hitting that watch <laughs> Yeah, if you want to support me, find me on Instagram, um, support the ballet, support local. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing this, man. Really oh, appreciate it. Pleasure. I had a good time. Obviously, I don't have a problem talking. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> if you like this episode, consider giving us a rating on iTunes. It's super helpful. And share it with your friends. Subscribe and get notified when the next episode drops. Follow us on social media and send us a DM if you want to discuss anything. And we'll see you in the next one.